Hello, my name is Janice B. Gordon. This is Scale Your Sales Podcast. Welcome to the Scale Your Sales Podcast, listed number nine of 42 best podcasts for every sales professional in 2021. I am Janice B. Gordon, the customer growth expert, recommended by LinkedIn as one of 15 innovative sales influencers to follow in 2021. In this episode of Scale Your Sales podcast, my guest talks about being better, unique and desirable, but he's been in the sales industry for over 35 years, working in corporate America, managing a team of sales managers and 60 sales professionals, and then moving into his coaching business and really helping not only sales teams, but business owners as well to really understand sales process and get the result. So my next guest is the president and chief sales coach of EWC Consultants, where he works with business owners and sales professionals on mastering easy, simple sales strategies that help close big deals. He has recently released the book, Bud, the sales process that gets results. He believes that if you master the basics of the selling process, then you will gain wild success. Welcome to Scale Your Sales podcast, Thomas Ellis. It's great to have you on the call. Janice, it's great to be here. Thank you. And thank you so much. I know you're not feeling well, so I really appreciate you coming along and talking about your fantastic book. We will cover Bud. First of all, let me um, ask you about how you got into sales briefly, because I've seen you a lot on LinkedIn and you're always giving great value, but I'm always curious how people kind of like launched into sales. After I graduated college, I, I was looking for a job that gave me flexibility, meet new people, not stagnant, something adventurous and sales is the profession where you meet different people you're helping them solve different problems and you're just learning not a lot and it's never boring so that, that that's why i got here 35 years later yeah so you found the perfect role for you <laughs> yes yeah, which well, is it is great. So, you know, I know that you help lots of people and, and talk a lot of, about sales. But over the 35 years, sales has changed enormously. Well, or has it? So my question is, do you think that for B2B sellers, it's shifted enough to be buyer and customer centric? If we stick to the basics of helping the customer, then it should always be buyer centric. It should never be about what I need and what I want. It should, it should always be about what does the customer want and need and how can I help them get there? And that hasn't changed in 100 years, and that's never going to change because if you can't sit in the customer's shoes and figure out how you can help them, you're not going to make any sales. But the sales industry has grown up on being very internally focused and talking about 
customers as leads and targets and closing the deals and very much focus on quotas. So it's all very internally focused. Yes, and, and what, you know, it may be internally focused because every every sales team has a quota. The leadership is talking about quota, but I always go back to forget about the quota and focus on the activities that are going to get you the results. And those activities are calling and contacting your ideal clients and having those great conversations with them on helping them solve their problems. And if you do that, then the quota takes care of itself. Yeah, as you say, stick with the basics and it's all about your customer. So in your view, does customer experience really focus on the customer giving them the, the experience that they want giving them the results they want how much does that impact sales because that's what you're saying just stick to that how does it impact sales well it, it impacts sales tremendously because from the first time you interact with that customer you want to wow them you know, at every step of the way, every conversation, every meeting, you want to wow them. You want them to get off that call, a meeting that you would say, oh, my God, I want to do business with Janice. I just have to figure out how we can do that. So it's important that we always focus on the customer, what the customer needs, and, and adding value to help their business grow. So how do you wow? How do you create that wow experience for your customer? You're a seller. You, although you've got to forget about your quota, what is it that you actually do to create that? So, and this is very, very easy, right? So the first thing that you do is you show up early, earlier than the meeting, right? You're on time. The second thing is that you've done a lot of research on the customer and the individual that you're meeting with to kind of figure out what type of personality type this person may be. And you want to find out early in, early in the conversation, how can I build rapport with this person rather quickly? And you need to be focused on, on the, the customer at every step of the way. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk a bit more about BUD, better, unique, and desirable to the sales process that gets results. How did you come up with BUD? Because this features a lot in the book. You talk people through a sales process, but then you give them a case study and examples of how you can apply better, unique, and desirable. Yeah, so Janice, this, this was a, a long process. You know, I've I was doing a lot of classes years ago and and in teaching and 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 people would see me out at events and they would say, "You're the bud guy. I remember you." And everywhere I went, they they just latched on to that. So after thinking about writing a book, the pandemic really helped me kind of slow down and say, "It's time to write that book." So that's how I started writing it. So in all the training that you were doing, you were using Bud a, a long time before you actually wrote the book. Yes. <coughs> yes. And so where did that come from? Why better, unique and desirable? So 
I'm all about making the, the sales process very easy and simple, right? I think a lot of people out there make this sales thing to be very complicated. And I work with a lot of people, a lot of small business owners who have expertise in operations and finances and other disciplines, but not in sales. And they had a fear of the word sales. And so how do I get them to, how can I help them without using that word? And so I'd say, well, let's substitute help for sales. Let's go out and find people that we can help. And it's all times I can do that. Okay, now let's talk about how can you become better, unique, and desirable, right? And let's talk about what those acronyms mean. So B is just being better. You're, you're prepared. You understand the client. You show up on time. You're better than your competition. You just are better than them. And the unique is let's do things that people aren't doing. And, and it could be some of the simplest things, like most people don't use the, the postal service anymore. So let's send people thank you cards, hand, hand, thank you cards. Um, let's do some simple, basic things. And the desirable is just simply people want to work with people that they desire to work with because they like trust and this person's always adding value to them and they're helpful. So that's where the whole thing came about. So every part of the sales process, I always reference back to, are you being the bud? Right. Yeah. And that's where, where it's caught on. I mean, it's interesting, you know, in sales, there are so many levels um, to sell. So certainly with enterprise and B2B sales, there's often, you know, a good from four to 20 decision makers. But, you know, when you're talking about smaller businesses, I think they sometimes forget that um, of the enterprise and mid cap companies that they may sell to have so many more decision makers. So how do you actually help uh, help uh, companies that may have a relatively simple sales process? How do you help them transition and sell into larger businesses? So, and that's a great question. Um, I help them by less identify the other people that, uh, that are gonna be involved in the decision. Let's understand what roles that they play, okay? Because each, each person, there's going to be a financial person, uh, the, the legal the, the department, the, everybody has a role, okay? And then it's the end user, okay? And so we need to figure out who these people are, what their role is, and then we have to figure out what's important to them. And when we have conversations with them, we only focus on what's important to them. The other key thing is that somebody in that organization is gonna be what we call your inside salesperson. So who is that person that's carrying your flag throughout the company, representing you and helping you get that sale? We must identify that person as well and feed them so they can feed the organization we often forget to go back to not so much the basics, but the fundamentals. The fundamentals is that in uh, sales, it's a people business and people make decisions based on emotions and yes. justify based on logic. 
and uh, B2B sales is often very features and benefits led, but it's very logical in the way they do it. Well, what you're talking about, the fundamentals, is that it's a people business. Yes. And really understanding, you know, what people's needs are, you know, what how they're going to make the decision, what part and role they play in the decision making in process and really appeal to them. Never lose sight of the fundamentals of sales is about it, about people to people. It's not an organization that makes the decision. No. It's several people in larger organizations, but they're still individual decisions that make that they make in a collective group. So it's dealing with people on a one-to-one -one basis. I, I, I love that. So let me ask you about diversity in sales. B2B selling industry, whether you think it's progressed, you've been in the industry for 35 years. As I say, you've seen, seen a, a lot. So whether you think this, the industry that you're in, the coaching that you do, the work you do with sales organizations, whether you feel that there has been some real progress or whether it is um, still a way to go? I still say it's a long way to go. I started in sales 35 years ago. It's still, in many cases, it's just like it was back then. In many cases, it's not. But as a whole, we have to get better. Um, when I ran, when I was a corporate America and then I ran a substantial sales organization. I had six managers and 60 sales reps. And my mantra to my sales managers were to diversity, right? I said, I want to see people that represent the customers that we serve. And so if you can't do that, then that's not helping us because we we have to do it, right? And so my managers, you know, I end up having the most diverse sales organization in the company and it became a best practice. But Janice, that has to happen from the, the heart, right? I mean, you can't dictate the diversity and inclusion. You can't mandate that. You can. It has to come from the heart. And if people truly believe that's they, that's the right thing, then they'll do it. If you force people to do it, then they're going to do it haphazardly and they're not going to do it because it's something that is heartfelt. So how do you change that? It's, you know, the, the stats that's been used that, you know, diverse teams are more profitable teams. And, you know, really, it's fairness. It's about um, equity. Um, it's about it's the right thing to do. Yes, there is a, a financial motive. So if the uh, leaders in the organization doesn't have the heart, nothing really changes. No, it's never going to change. You can't change that. You cannot change that. So there needs to be new leadership. That's how that's how that changes. Mm -hmm. um, you can't make people do something that they truly believe they ought to do. Uh, you know, they just don't see it. So new leadership needs to be needs the leadership must change yeah you know that's do you know um that's quite brutal leadership out with the old in with the i like i like to keep it real because yeah. i've been in this, I love in it. this industry for a long time yeah. i've seen things i've you know um you know just if i didn't have it in my heart 
to say this is the right thing, my my organization would not be to diversify. Mm. You know, yeah. um, you know, so it, it it has to be heartfelt, and you you have to do it because you want to do it. Yeah, it's the right thing, but do you want to do that? Do you believe that other ethnicities can add value to your organization? Do you think that they can bring you ideas and concepts that you may not think about? The data says it all. When you have a diverse team, they perform better. But the, the leadership doesn't care about that. They're stuck in the way that they think, and unfortunately, they never change. Do you know? Do you know what, Thomas? I'm 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 really feeling you, and I like that. You know, you want to keep it real, really. In that, um, we often see organisations with their rhetoric of changing things, but when you actually look um, beyond the first page of the website where they've got a diversity of images, when you look to their board and their leadership team, that mm. hasn't changed in the last five years. So you know, it's about being intentional. And if uh, and if you uh, and it's got to be part of I think the organization's values is you know it's got to be part of their fundamental values and missions. This is the way we want to be. This is our organizations. And it's interesting that the the uh, millennials down to generations said there is a war on talent. And if your organization doesn't fit with the values of the, the, many of these younger, talented people, they're not interested. So, you know, you're going to continue to lose the war on talent to get the best people to join your organizations. So I think there's a crunch of kind of really a, a coming through at, at both ends. And uh, yeah. I hope that it, there is more than rhetoric but yeah. you know it's something that i talk about a lot on scale yourself podcast because i really do think that it's pretty fundamental to sales is business sales is core to business it's the engine to business and if you want to change business then it's a great um area to start with the thing that keeps the business moving and motoring and going forward the fuel which is the sales and I know that marketing and other departments might might uh, <laughs> not agree with me, um, but that's where I, I, I'm starting with it. And I want to see the change. We need to keep talking about it. So I really honor you know you for being real about it. I can well, see it, but uh, I'm uh, fed up with uh, the rhetoric. Uh, let me just add, because I say that because in two major corporations that I work for, they pulled me aside once and I said, they're gonna put you, be mentored, so you could be on the, the, the fast track, right? In two in two organizations, I was one of few black managers, the directors, and they pulled me and said, well, "We're gonna give you a, a mentor." So, but it was rhetoric because the person that was mentoring me didn't want to do it, right? Yeah. Um. So so in both cases, I've lived that in two right. large organizations where they say, "Oh." we're going to help these minorities. So they picked out a, a bunch of us and did these classes and stuff, but it was rhetoric. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think that organizations, when they, they say, they have often have uh, gender initiatives. And so you have, you know, women's groups in larger organizations. 
And so, you know, the women's group, it's great because you find other buddies and you can share your stories and, you know, you can find real kind of um, other supporters within the organization. But if the rest of the organization doesn't change, the people outside of that group doesn't change, then nothing really changes in the organization. So it's all very well kind of like hiving these people off into a corner and saying, well, well, we've tucked that box, you've got an initiative, but actually nothing changes in the organization. So I absolutely hear you. Anyway, let's talk more about um, what practical strategy would you use? Um, no, let me ask you, yeah, what practical strategy would you use to enable buyers to buy? or build long-term relationship? So my my strategy is pr pretty simple. You know, we have to really understand people. Like you said, this is a people business. It's all about people. And it's more psychology than anything else. So if you think about the psychology, <coughs> excuse me, the psychology of people, right? We need to make people feel good. We need to make people feel feel wanted, we need to help people feel that they can trust us, and we need to have people think that we can add value. And those are the key things with building any relationships, personal or professional. And the more that we do that in the, in the, the sales world, the more the prospects and clients begin to share with us lots of things because they trust us. Mm. Yeah, yeah, okay. So who is your hero or shero? Okay, so I have, um, my hero is is Jackie Robinson. Um, for, for those people who don't know, he was the first African-American to play baseball, major league baseball. And the reason why he was my hero is because as I read about him and learned about him, you know, back in those times, uh, black people were prosecuted and beat up and all kind of things. And he was playing baseball in an all-white stadiums, all-white teams, and they, they really did some horrible things to him. But he he stuck with it because he 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 realized that he was the game changer. Right. So he opened up a, a lot of doors for a lot of people in many areas. So that's why he's my hero. Yeah. Yeah. An incredible hero. You know, in almost all sports, there's one person like that that has really taken the beaten and led the way to open up the possibility. Previously, it would have been thought that this race of people cannot do this. You know, right. you can't have access to this. And it always takes one person to prove them them wrong. And uh, yeah, but they're the ones that really are, are the heroes. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, thank you for um, um, <clears throat> bringing Jackie uh, Robbins to the, the fore. Um, so I would urge everyone to, to get your book. Um, and it's, a, it's great the way that you've written it in that you've got case studies to explain every every single part of the the sales process 
and also how you can be uh, better, unique and desirable. That's that's really kind of hammered in each of the stages and the way that you break, uh, break it down. So, you know, it's really good for people that are, want to refresh in getting back to the fundamentals and those people that are new to sales as well. It's a great, great book. Um, easy, uh, easy to read book. So thank you very much for, you know, writing it and um, sending it uh, to me. And uh, yeah, thankfully you had time to, to write it and being productive uh, during uh, lockdown. So how can listeners get hold of you? Okay, uh, <clears throat> several ways. There's one is through LinkedIn. I'm a, I've been accused of being a LinkedIn junkie and that's okay because I am. Yeah. Uh, another way is through my website, www.tlssalescoach.com. Um, another way is my email is tls at ewcconsultants.com. Excellent. I'll put all of that in, in the show notes. So it, I'm really, really love talking to you. And thank you so much for being a guest on Scale Your Sales podcast, Thomas Ellis. Thank you, Janice. Thank you again. Have a wonderful day and let's stay in touch. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Scale Your Sales podcast. If you like this discussion, feel free to listen to other episodes or watch the caption show on YouTube and subscribe to future episodes. I would really appreciate it if you would leave a positive review on iTunes. Thank you.